See, I see a video like that, and I want to tell myself to sit down and tell Jonathan, come back in, let's, let's, just keep, let's keep worshiping, let's keep praising the Lord, because I love to worship God. In fact, if we came to church and we just worshiped and prayed, I'd be satisfied. I, I don't want you to feel like I have to get up and preach, or I, I feel that, you know, I, I've got to do that. You know, I want the presence of God, and I love to worship, and I love to pray. I also know that part of our worship experience is the Word of God, so I think it's important every time that we preach the Word, that we teach the Word, but I personally love worship. And that's why we're going to end tonight with worship, because I just think we should do that on Palm Sunday weekend. But I just want to tell you that I love worship. And uh, sometimes, uh, and I don't even care if you enjoy worship, I enjoy worship. Sometimes I just tell Jonathan, you know, hey, that's fine. Just, you know, sing whatever you want to sing. But man, that last two or three, that's just, that's for me. I'm just, I want to get close to God. I want to be near to him. And sometimes, depending on what's happened, I just, I just, when I start, it's just like, man, God, just thank you for this, your presence. And, and like I said, you get lost in that moment of just being with the Lord. And I love, love, love worship. And so obviously the triumphal entry is all about worship. And what's interesting about the triumphal entry is it's described in all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it's actually told the exact same way. It's, it's Greek, in the Greek, almost word for word the same. So it really doesn't matter where we choose. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 21, and I want to look at the triumphal entry. I want to look at Palm Sunday and see what we can learn from Palm Sunday and for our worship. Matthew 21, verse 1 says, As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethage, on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks you, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did just as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him, and they threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was the center of the procession, and all the people around him were shouting, Praise God to the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Sometimes I like to picture what it would be like if I stepped into a Bible story. And this one especially, because I love worship. You love worship. How awesome would it have been as Jesus was in the midst of these people? And what a prophetically divine moment as he's riding in and just this unbelievable worship is taking place. People are ripping off their outer garments, throwing it on the road, climbing trees, cutting down branches to put on the road so that the road that Jesus was walking on wouldn't be a hard dirt road, but it would be soft like carpet. And, and just as he would come into the city and they're just, they're just making a way for him, standing around him, singing and shouting this huge crowd, Hosanna to the son of David. How awesome would that have been? 
This must have been crazy. Anytime you're in worship and people start taking off their clothes and climbing trees, that's a good worship service. I'm just having fun. But I, I try to think what it would have been like to be in the middle of it. And then, as you study the Bible, you ask, what went wrong? What went wrong? The same crowd that is shouting, that is praising, that is worshiping, want to kill him in a matter of days. And so as awesome as that worship time must have been, obviously, they missed who Jesus was. And when I think about that, I think about our lives, is that sometimes maybe we get into a worship experience, hands raised, goosebumps, feeling, but do we miss Jesus? Why did they miss Jesus? And I think the reason they missed, and and I don't have any proof of this, but just as I study the Bible, I put this together, that, that I believe they missed Jesus because they weren't really looking at him. Sure, there was the crowd, and sure, he was on the donkey, and sure, they saw Jesus, but I don't think anybody looked in his eyes. Because if they would have looked in his eyes, they would have seen tears. They would have known that just moments before he was crying. And when you look in someone's eyes, you can tell if they've been crying. And there's something intimate about looking into someone's eyes, especially the eyes of Jesus. We have our marriage seminars here, and we, um, we have these things, these interactions where we talk and we have to look at each other's eyes. And even though, you know, your spouse is probably the person you're most intimate with, just looking in their eyes that long, there's something that is, is it feels different. It's just, you know, because you're not used to staring at each other's eyes, but they're the windows to the soul, they say. And so it becomes uncomfortable at times. I was uh, at the doctor a few weeks back and, and I had a few weeks back, I had an ear infection and, and sinus infection and just all these different things that my wonderful kids gave me. And, and I'm at the doctor, and I was dizzy, and so he's having me move my head everywhere. And he's, cause it, and he's, he's staring into my eyes, and, and he keeps staring and staring. And um, at some point, I said, dude, is this uncomfortable? Because I don't know, I'm just, you know, I, and he goes, yeah, it is a little uncomfortable, isn't it? You know, because I'm not used to looking, especially into a guy's eyes that long. But, but there's just something, you know, there's something intimate about it. And to be honest with you, I don't think anyone looked into the eyes of Jesus. The disciples didn't, the crowd didn't, and nobody knew what was really going on. Because if they did, They probably wouldn't be worshiping like they were. They might be crying along with him. They would have known his heart. They would have known what was coming. And the only person in the Bible that even has a clue is Mary. But that's because she sat at Jesus' feet and probably looked in his eyes. I put a quote on Facebook that I read a couple weeks back. And I just wanted to get what people thought about it. Because I'll tell you, when I read it, it just, it crushed me. It's from John Piper. It'll be on the screen behind me. And uh, I apologize. I didn't write down. It was in a devotional book, so I I didn't uh, get the name of the book. But it's from John Piper. It says this, The critical question of our generation, and for every generation, is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness, and with all the friends you ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked, 
and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed, and all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you've ever tasted, and no human conflict of, or na- any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ were not there? When I first read that, I, I can't tell you how challenged I was. And then when people responded, and, and I appreciate because I'm the pastor that they say, oh, no, I love Jesus and I want Jesus. And that's good. But I have to be honest, when I first read that, I thought, would I be satisfied with all the promises and blessings? It sounds like a pretty good place, doesn't it, when you read about it? It's like, would I be satisfied without Jesus? And then as I thought about it, and, and I just noticed in life, as, as, as time goes on in life, I just realized that there's really nothing that satisfies in this life but Jesus. That that might be fun for a little while or sound like heaven, but it wouldn't be. See, you could win the lottery, a half a billion dollars or whatever it was yesterday. You could win it all and still not be happy. See, it's all about Jesus. It's all about being close to him, connected about him. It's either all about him or it's not. And in the Bible blog, in your bulletin, I write about this, but, but I want to get this in your heart and in your life. That when we worship and we pray and we preach the word as a church, I mean, the whole point of it is to connect with God. It, it's not about just what songs we sing or how many songs we sing or how long we sing. It's not about, it is about that I have connected with God in the presence of God, that I have felt him here, that he is here, that he is near me. It's not about when we pray, whether it be at church or in our prayer time, like, well, I get up in the morning, so I'm going to pray five minutes or 20 minutes or an hour. It's not about how long you pray. It's about connecting with God. Because I'd rather pray for a minute and be connected to the power of God than pray for an hour and not even feel his presence. See, it's not about the time. It's not about the songs. When you open the Bible, it's not if I read a verse or if I, I read a, a chapter, if I read a book. No, it's about, did I connect with God? Did I hear his voice speaking to me through his word? I'm, it's all about connecting with him. It's not about doing your duty. It is about connecting with God, because that's the relationship we were created for. And when you don't connect with God, you will never be fulfilled. And that's why when we come to church, it is so key that when we worship, we connect with God. When we pray or have communion, we are focused on Jesus. When we're into the word, we're saying, Holy Spirit, speak this to me. Because otherwise, it just doesn't matter. That, you know, the, the worship, although it was ordained by God and prophetically performed and all of that, they, they miss Jesus completely. And I don't want anyone in our church to miss God, to miss Jesus I want us to be close to him. I want us to go to Exodus chapter 33, which I find absolutely fascinating. And we're just going to read a few verses out of here. But if you want to read this tonight when you get home, I think you'll be fascinated as well at a very interesting chapter in the Old Testament. It's about Moses and the children of Israel. And in verse 3, it starts this way. Go up, and this is God speaking. Go up. To this land that is flowing with milk and honey. But I will not travel among you. For you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. Okay? That's God. 
And what's interesting about this passage of Scripture, he's saying, look, go to the promised land. Take the promise, take the blessing, take what I promise. I'm a covenant-keeping God. It belongs to you. Go and take it, but I'm not going with you. I'm fed up. It's over. You, you can have my blessing. You can have the promise, but I'm not going to be there. And as you read through and you come to verse 15, this is what I love when the heart of Moses comes out here in verse 15. He says, then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. See, God said, you know what? It's over. Go take the promise. Go take the blessing. It's all yours. Just go have it. I'm just not going with you. And what does Moses say? Absolutely not. God, we are not going to leave this place if you don't go with us. We don't want the promise. We don't want the blessing. We don't want to go to the land that's flowing with milk and honey. If you're not there, we'll stay in the desert, God. Thank you very much because we just want to be with you. Wow. That's the heart of of Moses. And that should be our heart. You know that it's it's God's promises are great, his blessings are great, but it's about connecting with him and being close to him and looking in his eyes when he speaks to you through the word or worship or prayer, being close to him and saying God, wherever you are is where I want to be. Even if it's in the midst of suffering, even if it's in the midst of of going through the same thing that I've been going whatever it is, wherever you're at God, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be, God. And it goes even further in Moses' life in verse 18 when it says, Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name Yahweh before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. Moses says, God... I want to see your glory. And it's more than just, I, I want to see your glory. I want this experience. I want this goosebump experience. No, he really wanted God. You know, he, he didn't want just the promises. He didn't want just the blessings. He wanted to see God. That's all he wanted. And God said, you can't even look at me. And so he hides him in like a cave, puts his hand over the entrance of the cave, passes by till all that's behind him, you see the, this, the, the backside of God, and just the shadow of the glory cast. And so there's Moses sitting in the shadow of God's glory. In fact, that glory is so strong that when he ultimately comes back to the people, they're like, would you please hide yourself? It's too much. And he's just in the shadow. But his, the glorious presence of God is too 
much. We need to live like Moses in the shadow of God. See, shadows tell us that there's something or there's someone there. And if you want a lesson in shadows, just have children because children, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, do you ever play shadow tag or something or, or, Dad, look, my shadow is bigger than your shadow when we're taking a walk and the street lights are out depending on where you're standing. And so that's fun for them. But what's not fun is when that shadow is in their room when you tuck them into bed. And they're like, Dad, there's a shadow on the wall, and so you have to move, you know, that toy or something. Yeah, see, it's just, it's just a shadow, son. It's no big deal. But the shadow lets us know that something or someone is there. And I think about shadows, and, and I had a profound experience when I was in Oxford. This was actually a long time ago. Not my researcher, but a long time ago. And actually, they, they took us out of class into the courtyard because there was going to be a solar eclipse, and that's where the moon comes in alignment with the sun. And again, I don't know what happened over here on this side of the earth because it was dark. But uh, when we were in England, we were, we were out in the courtyard and they said, don't look directly at it. But, you know, I just have to look directly at it because it was so cool. Um, but but you, you saw that little black dot go in front of the, the, the big burning dot, the, the sun. And, and, and I want to tell you, the darkness was eerie. I mean, it wasn't like anything I'd ever experienced before. It wasn't like a cloudy day or a sunset or something. I mean, it was just a weird, weird feeling of darkness as, as you're staring at this, and then eventually it passes and it, it, goes, it goes on. But I, I thought of that precise moment, and I guess it was once in I don't know how many years, it was a crazy number of years, and, but yet we got to see it, and so that was exciting. But I was thinking about the alignment of, of the sun and the moon to, to cast that shadow. And that we need to live in the shadow of God. But we will not live in the shadow of God unless we align ourselves with God. When, unless we're, we're, we're close to him and we know where he is and, and we can align ourselves with the shadow of God. And actually there's a lot in the Bible that talks about the shadow of God and living in his shadow. And probably the most famous one is Psalm 91. So Psalm 91, verse 1 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Your Bible probably says the secret place. And so when you go to that secret place in God, you'll dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. That, that, that you're in alignment with his shadow when we come and we worship or we come and we pray. And it's not just about doing our duty, but it's about saying, God, I want to meet with you. That I am, I'm not looking for your blessing or just this goosebump. God, I want you and I want to know you. I'm going to live in your shadow. And when you live in God's shadow, let me just say, his shadow is bigger than any other shadow that might scare you. I think of... of David in Psalm 23, what does he say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's living in the shadow of the shepherd. He's under the care of the shepherd. So that shadow of death, it doesn't matter because he's in the shadow of the shepherd. We need to align ourselves with the shadow of the Almighty to get close to him, to live on purpose and abide there. Because there's something powerful about living in the shadow of God. In Acts chapter 5, it's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And uh, those are two people, if you don't know the story, uh, sold their property, 
and it was time to give. And so they told everybody that they were giving everything to the church, when in reality they were holding back a portion for themselves. And so really, they were saying they were worshiping, but they weren't. They were pretending to worship. They were pretending to worship so they would look good to everybody around them and get whatever they got out of that. But, but they lied. And they pretended to worship. And the judgment of God in that moment fell, and they were killed. First Ananias and then Sapphira. And, and so imagine if God struck everybody dead in church that was pretending to worship. Wow. What would happen is what happened in the book of Acts. It says that a fear <laughs> came over them. I'm not going to pretend to worship. I'm not going to lie anymore. It's going to be the truth. And, and it said that at that moment, the signs and wonders upon the apostles were just unbelievable. In fact, if you go on in that chapter, Peter would walk down the street and people that were in his shadow were healed. Verse 15, it says this, As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats that at least Peter's shadow might fall on, the, on some of them as he passed by. He can't even walk down the street without people just putting people in front of him. Maybe if he has to step over him, the shadow will, will touch him and heal him. Do you know it wasn't Peter's shadow, though? It was the shadow in who Peter was living that was his power. But when you live in the shadow of God, God things start to happen in your life. Big things start to happen. When you live in his power, it's not about Peter's shadow. It's about God's shadow that enveloped him. When you get connected to God, God things begin to happen. And I want to give you a verse for that. In, in John 15, 5. Familiar verse, you all know it, but, but I just want to read it here. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That when you are attached to the vine, when a tree branch is attached to the tree, there is life. As soon as that branch is broken off, detached in some way, and laying on the ground, it's dead. Even if it has green leaves, it's still dead because it's no longer attached to the source. When, when Luke cut his hand and, and they reattached the nerves and, and yet he didn't have feeling and we were concerned, he said, don't be concerned because as soon as you sever the nerve, it's dead. It's going to take time for that to grow back and the feeling grows back about an inch a month, they said. And so they'll, they'll, be, they'll be feeling down the road, but once you cut it, it's dead. So we've got to be attached to God, attached to the vine, connected to him. You know, I just, I think about this and, and I think about our worship and our prayer and the word and all these things that we do. It's like we better be connecting with God at every point. Because if we're connected to God, we can look down and, and all of a sudden we start to produce fruit in our life. God things begin to happen. That fruit begins to grow in our life. Not because we're trying harder. Not because we're even doing something different. It's just because we're connected to God. And his fruit begins to happen in our life. All of a sudden my attitude changes and, and things start happening. And all these, because I'm connected to God. 
We need to think whenever we get together, look into the eyes of Jesus. Is there sorrow or is there joy? God, what do you want to do today? What do you want to speak to me through your word? God, what do you have for me when I come in prayer? Get hungry for him. Be close to him. Stay connected to him. Aligned to the shadow of God. And don't settle for anything less. Because that's, all, that's the only thing that's going to fulfill you. That's what you were created for. That connection, that relationship with God. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me tonight? And we're just going to worship the Lord here as we conclude our time together. And we're just going to have them, the worship team play quietly. And then eventually they're going to lead us into a song. And, and uh, we'll receive our offering for the poor and, and stuff later on. But right now is a moment to connect with God. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I don't want you to miss God. I don't want you to miss Jesus. It's Palm Sunday, and I love the songs we've already sung. I love that communion came on Palm Sunday so we could remember what Jesus did on the cross. I love that we can pray for our sins to be forgiven, for our our bodies to be healed, for us to be made whole. I love that I, I get to preach about Palm Sunday on Palm Sunday. I love all those things, but if we didn't connect with God, we missed it. And it's all about being connected. It's all about being aligned with him. It's all about taking that time to be close enough to look in his eyes, whether we're singing or praying or in the word, that we're close to him and say, God, what are you speaking to my life? If you're connected with God, God, things happen in your life. If things haven't been happening, get connected tonight. If things are happening, get closer and get hungry. But as the worship team plays, just for a few minutes before we enter into a time of worship, just spend some time with God. Open your hearts wide to Him. Draw near to Him. Maybe you want to slip to your knees or go for a walk around the sanctuary. Just get alone with Him. Whatever you want to do right now. Let's end this evening by worshiping him and drawing near. Lord, we love you tonight. And we desire to live in your shadow. We hear the Spirit calling us in, calling us close. And so, Lord, we want to connect with you tonight.
Can we just stand on our feet tonight and just sing this lyric? I see the cloud I step in Come on, would you just step in tonight? I see the cloud And I step in I'm not afraid Sing, I'm not afraid I'm not afraid this room tonight oh Jesus Spirit of God would you show us your glory Lord come on across this room let's just step in tonight Jesus Jesus just sing I see the cloud I see the cloud I step in I step in and I see the cloud And I step in And I see the cloud And I see the cloud As I step in I'm not afraid Cause I'm not afraid Come on, see, I'm not afraid Cause I'm not
Jesus would be our heart. God desiring to see you. It's not about the promise or the blessings or the, the tingles, the chills, the goosebumps, God. It's about you. God, that we would hide ourselves in your shadow. That we would live there, God. That we would align ourselves with you. That we would align ourselves with your word and your will, your way, God, your heart. God, that we would do that every Saturday, every Sunday, God. That we would do that every time we gather together and, and Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Ascension, God, that we would just be aligned with you. And, but God, I pray for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and every day of our life, God, that we would hide ourselves in the secret place under the shadow of the Most High. That we'd be people of your presence, close to you, connected to you, hungry for you. God, that we would accept nothing less. Lord, may our song be show us your glory. We want to see you. We want to see your face. God, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word. And may we be men and women praise and worship men and women nearer to your heart God living close in your shadow we love you God tonight we worship you thank you Lord just good to be nearer to the God and, and we're going to just continue to be close to God here but um, every uh, Every communion weekend, we just receive an offering for those that are in need. And uh, there are a lot of people in need, uh, as you can imagine, in our economy and in life. And, and uh, there's people in our church, outside our church. Uh, there's need in the food pantry and clothing pantry. And so if, if you can give in this offering, if you're in need, please don't feel uh, any obligation. This is one of those above and beyond offerings. This is not 
This is not your tithes. This is not what you regularly give to God. This is, and, and again, we're giving it to God that he'll bless the people that need it the most. And so, um, so if you can, if God's blessed you, uh, we want you to do that. And um, just let me tell you that we are so committed to praise and worship and to connecting with God. I've been meeting with uh, Pastor Jonathan, how we can get something on the calendar that is just a night we look forward to connecting to God through worship and prayer. And so we're going to do that every fifth Sunday uh, throughout the year. We're going to call it Fifth Sunday, where we just gather together. Um, Pastor Jonathan will have some worship put together. I'll just have a very short word and a time of prayer. And we're going to do that every fifth Sunday. The first one happens next month in April. And so I hope you can come out the, the last Sunday in April. And we worked it out with 360. We're just going to just going to praise and worship the Lord. And we're going to do that uh, four or five times a year, depending on and how it happens. But So we're going to commit to praising and worshiping the Lord. So um, I'm excited about that. Uh, but men, come forward. We'll pray. And let's just worship the Lord. Can we just sing that one more time as, uh, as we worship the Lord uh, tonight? God, we, we now give to you. Uh, we just want to obey your word, and, and God, your heart is for people that are in need. And so, Lord, there's so many in need, and you know that. And God, they're not far off. They're among us, and they're in our neighborhoods and in our communities. And, and, and Lord, I just thank you um, that you've allowed us to open our hearts more than ever before to reach out. And I just thank you that as we give uh, today, uh, Lord, you're going to meet every need that, that comes in this month. We just believe that. And we pray this in Jesus' name as we continue to worship you. We worship you. Amen. Amen. Give to the Lord and, and let's sing it one more time and then we'll receive the blessing of God.
just put our hands together tonight. Thank you, Jesus. all night and uh, so hey if you want to go ahead it'll be it'll be fine uh, pastor Merrill's here to pray with you after service after the blessing and um, I just I'm gonna sneak out and answer any questions you might have about Ascension Convention or if you want to sign up haven't signed up yet you can do that tonight um, but again we belong to him and I just want to encourage you that if um, if if you just now understanding this and, and you say, God, I belong to you and, and you want the heart of God. We just have a packet here. It has um, uh, a Bible in it and some information. If you recently gave your heart to God or you want to have a relationship with God, I want you to grab that and, um, and just look at, at what God has for you because he has abundant life. And uh, again, we want to live connected to God. And so let's receive his blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for that blessing. God, we especially need it in the world in which we live. God, we need it for this week in the Ascension Convention. We need it as we invite others to church on Sunday and Saturday for Easter. God, we, we need you to go with us, keeping us safe, keeping us strong, and so we can gather together again as a church and worship you. Thank you, God. Amen. 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 All right, I'm going to be out there to meet you if you need special prayer. 